Morning, guys. That includes the women. I have a dear wife and two daughters, and I call them guys, too, so please don't be offended. I'm Jim Turek. I know some of you guys know us. A lot of you guys are fairly new. We haven't been here for two years. This is our home church, and uh, I'll tell you a little more about that later, but Sid usually introduces me as saying, he's been here longer than I have. <laughs> and we have. We've been gone, but this is our, this is our home church. Man, I gotta tell you guys, just singing those songs, I was just thanking God for open door and the history and all you dear people who are here today. There's a lot to praise God for, isn't it, guys? I'm just so thankful. This isn't part of my message. I'm just like praising the Lord for you guys and this church all these years. A lot of God's love and grace going on here. And I know we all have issues, don't get me wrong, I've got plenty of issues, but we're not here to talk about my issues, that would take all morning. Anyway, hi, we're Jim and Connie, as Sid said, we train missionaries, and um, I just want to bring a bit of a, a challenge today about really, bottom line, is offering our lives as an offering to God to do whatever God leads us to do. This is for everybody, not just to be some weird missionaries who live in the jungle and got to wrestle snakes and eat spiders and all that. All of us to offer our lives a living sacrifice. That's what God wants us to do. Okay, I better get going on my message. I'm ADD. I get off track pretty easy. My little t um, title this morning is Beautiful Feet. And uh, I get that from this Romans chapter 10, verse 15, verse it says, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is what the scriptures mean when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Don't you love hearing good news? Someone comes up and tells you some good news. It's like, oh, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you brought me this good news. Good news is good news. And people who bring us good news have got beautiful feet. Oops. And here's a guy with beautiful feet. These are... Uh, this is a bunch of churches got together in New Guinea, and you guys have had a part of planting all these churches by supporting so many of us missionaries who work in far-off fields, and I just want you to look at this guy's feet. He's wearing flip-flops standing in the mud, and he's teaching God's Word, and that's beautiful feet right there. And this is because of so many missionaries went and planted these churches so those are some beautiful, stinky, filthy feet, but they're beautiful, aren't they? And the mission that we're involved with, uh, Ethnos 360, many of you have heard of us, is bring the gospel and start churches to the unreached and least reached people. So we focus on where there is no word of God in their language and where there's no churches. That's what we focus on, and we... We don't go uh, just kind of a hit and run, do like a month or a week evangelistic thing or something. No, God believes in churches. Churches is his design, and this is a church, and this is God's design. People getting together, worshiping God, learning from God's word, encouraging one another, and most of all, loving each other and carrying one another's burdens. A church is God's plan, and this is a wonderful church, so... Why should we even go, and why should we offer ourselves a living sacrifice? Because I feel guilty if I don't? No, 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 no. 
because God's love compels us. When you're in love with the Savior, you can't do enough for someone who saved your eternal life. You know, Our love to God is what compels us, every one of us in this room. It's God's love has got to be the motivation. One way I, I like to say it is guilt will empower you and push you to cross the street and do something because you feel guilty. That's not how we serve God. Grace empowers us for life. It's the motivation. It's receiving God's love, loving God, and loving people. That's the lifelong compelling force in our life, you might say, is grace and God's love for us and our love for others. Guilt? Uh-uh. You may have been in your past driven by guilt. Guilt is not what drives us. It's the love of God that drives us. And this is a beautiful verse that helps communicate the very heart of God in Jesus Christ when he, um, he had been uh, very, very busy in ministry. Remember, Jesus didn't even have his own home. He was like on the road all the time. He had just gotten done preaching the gospel in various towns, healing the sick, so he was tired. And then it's like he turns his head and there's this crowd of people there. So you know what he's thinking? Oh, no. More people? I'm OD'd with people. I deserve a sabbatical. And when he looked at all these people, I love this verse. He had compassion for them. And guys, that's what I pray is our heart. My prayer so often is, God, give me your eyes so I can see people how you see people. God, give me your heart. I want to feel for people like you do. And this is a powerful verse. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. Guys, I would just beg you guys to make that your prayer. God, give me your eyes. Give me your heart. And give me your ears so I can listen well to people and, and discern what their real need is. And help me to be someone who brings them to the shepherd. That's the life that I want. And I'm begging you guys to make that prayer for yourself. See people how God sees them. Feel for them how God feels for them. And be the tool in the hand of God to reach people. And you think, oh, no, you don't know these people I know. They got this issue, and they got this problem, and they got this problem, and they got all these issues. First of all, I really don't love them. And second of all, I don't even want to hang out with them. Do you guys know people like that? You don't even want to hang out with them. They're disgustipating. And it's like, It's like, no, God, change my heart. Let me see them how you see them. Just a little example just came up this week. I found out from... uh, one of my friends at our church down in Missouri, we lived down on Lake of the Ozarks, and uh, he said, you know what, Jim? He was coming home late one night, and he saw a bunch of cars in our church parking lot. He goes over, and he finds out it's the Camdenton Street Racers, an illegal bunch of street racers. And uh, so he went and told them, guys, we don't care if you're here, but if you do any damage here, I got all your license plates. And he was kind of like, I really don't like these guys. And you know, when I hear that, I go, man, I got to go out there Saturday night with my Camaro, which is really slow. It's not a fast Camaro. But Mustangs always raced me if they knew how slow my car really was. But anyway, 
makes me think, I want to go out there and reach these street racers. You know, that's, that's what I mean about just having that compassion for people. People are made in the image and likeness of God and have the ability to have a relationship with, with the divine nature. You know, that's what God made us for. Yeah, Adam and Eve screwed it up. And we all in this room are good at being bad, aren't we? You know, <laughs> there's a sin problem. But that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's the good news. It's like, yeah, God, I know I'm a loser, but I get it. You died for me. That's the gospel. That really is. Made in the image and likeness of God. Perfect, holy Father who pursues us. And we just got to take care of this sin issue we all have had. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, we still sin. Does anyone here quit sinning ever? Please don't raise your hand. That's why he died. It's grace. Check my input signal. Is it you, God, or is it technology? Hmm. My PowerPoint's my notes, so I don't know where I'm going next. Okay, I've got paper back up here. Remember paper? They used to use this in the old days. Okay, good. My next uh, verse is in Acts 13, 22. And when he talks about David, and you know what God calls David? A man after my own heart. He will do, what, he will do whatever I ask him to do. Make that your prayer too. A man or woman after the heart of God who will do whatever daddy asks us to do. It's a father who loves us. We get to love the father and be those people who say, Daddy, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to be thinking? Because I'm loving you more, and you're giving me a love for people, and so now I'm starting to love people more. Because you know what? It's your will, Daddy, and whatever you ask me to do, I will do. I will go there. And one of my secret agendas this Sunday, is to bring the challenge to young people. Now, who's young people? Everyone here is younger than me, just about, except Andy. Andy's older than me. But young people, what is your purpose? What does God want you to do with your life? These are serious questions that God will give you clear direction and clear answers for. And so often, we get carried away with the goals of the world, the ways of the world, the stuff of the world, the name, the look, the, the toys, whatever it is, we can just get sucked away with that compared to David. He was a sinner. He had issues. But God says, he's the man after my own heart. Guys, that's what I pray for you guys. Be the man. Be the woman. Be the teenager. Be the preschooler who is after God's own heart. What a wonderful thing to be controlling our lives is the love of Christ compels us. And the next slide, click, we'll just pretend, click. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, and this is right after that verse about he had compassion for the people and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Then he turns to the disciples, or the people, and he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who here 
farms and has a harvest. Some of you guys must. I drove through all these fields. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, well, just think if you went out to this massive field with a little push mower and said, okay, we're doing the job. It's like, no. We need lots of laborers, not necessarily machinery. Jesus Christ said, Play, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his field because the laborers are few. And you know, that's true. The laborers are few. And every single one of us can be a laborer in some field that God has called you to. Every one of us has got a job. Every one of us has got people within our reach to reach for Jesus Christ, whether it's encouraging believers teaching believers, encouraging, or reaching the people who don't know Jesus yet, discipling people. This is, this is the field that we are to be working in that is so cool because God is the only master designer of your life. So what's your field? That's what God wants to make it clear to you guys. What is your field? Who are the people that you can reach right here without going overseas and being a weird missionary like us. And is it true, you know, in Romans 13, 10, 13, it says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's like, well, man, Jim, you're pretty narrow-minded. Well, so is Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Not even a lawyer can find a loophole in that one. You know, it's pretty clear. It's Jesus or hell. Basically, that's it. This is good news. It starts with bad news. People got to know their need, and that's when people get offended. But the good news is Jesus Christ himself is the way, the life, the way, and the truth is all in Jesus Christ. And so moving on in Romans chapter 10, if there was a text for this ADHD sermon, it's Romans 10. Moving on to verse 14, it says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, this is a very logical layout here that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, wanted to make this very clear to us in this room here today. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? Isn't this logical? It's like, duh. How can you... Believe in Christ if you never hear about him. Well, guess what? Someone told you guys, right? You had to hear the gospel to get saved. You, weren't, you, know, you just didn't eat a pepperoni pizza and laying in bed at night hallucinating and say, oh, I want Jesus. You know, someone tells you. You know, people reach people. I have my favorite message is a three-pea sermon. You know, a good preacher's got three peas and a joke. Well, I'm the joke, but my first P is people. Who can guess the second P? People. So who can guess what the third P is? People. Yeah, you guys got it. You can remember that sermon. People. People are eternity. And people is who Christ died for. And God draws people to himself. And he uses people to reach people. That's us. Simpletons like us. You don't need to know everything the Bible says. But tell people what you know. That's what really matters. And they, well, they might ask me a weird question. So what? You say, I don't know that part, but this I know. I'm saved. I've got eternal future with God in heaven. 
Because I'm a sinner, but my sins are paid for. And when you recognize that you're a sinner before a holy God, we're not comparing each other with each other, comparing yourself to God, a perfect holy God. It's like that's why Jesus died. So I'm going to heaven because of Jesus, not because I'm any better than you. And often when I'm witnessing the people, I say, you know what? You're a better person than me. And they go, oh, no, I'm not. I said, no, seriously, you're, you're a better person than me. But standing next to God, we're all screwed. That's basically what I say, you know, the perfect holy God. So how could they call on him and believe in him if they'd ever heard? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? This is pretty simple logic, isn't it? Again, I'm really believing God has some youth in this church to be sent by this church to reach people who do not even have an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This church has sent multiple missionaries. I know there's more sitting here today and later today. There's more young people here that God is tapping their shoulder saying, yeah, don't listen to that nut, Jim Turk, but listen to me. I've got a ministry for you, and only God can give clear direction on your ministry. That's for us here and now today, whatever ministries you're involved in, or whatever's God's tapping on your shoulder to be involved in, to go reach that obnoxious neighbor who lives down the road or whatever. God wants us to reach people, us people to reach people. And then some people are going to be sent to where nobody is working in the field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's plenty of harvest out there with very few people working or nobody at all. Places where there is no gospel. And, anyone, and how will anyone go and tell them unless they're sent? That's what the scripture meant when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring new, good news. Imagine the slide I'm hallucinating right now. Click, click, click. All these people in Papua New Guinea, a bunch of churches got together and had a conference. There's a picture. There must be 400 little black faces in this picture. People who are churches now, who got together because this group, particularly our missionaries, went and reached these tribes, and they're growing as churches. Churches is God's plan and all these people know Christ and are going through life with all their struggles, and yet they're growing in Christ. And these churches have got issues. Are there any issues here? Tell me, Sid, Pastor. Oh, <laughs> just his issue, okay. My point is, you know, it's not like missionaries start churches that everyone's, oh, great, hallelujah, and they live happily ever after. No, they live the rest of their life on earth like all the rest of us. And earth is full of issues. One of them is Jim Turek's sin nature. You know, we all have issues. And, but that's what the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, to conform us to be more like Jesus Christ and less like the old rotten Jim Turek, becoming more like Jesus. This is his desire and his plan for every single one of us to make us more like Jesus. And you know what his design is? The local church. That's God's design, the church. It's not like, oh, no, no, I see the messages online, I stare at my phone a lot. No, people need people. We need to be getting together face-to-face -to -face like we're doing today. That's God's plan.
So click, next slide. I have a couple pie charts, database stuff that says, do you realize basically 95% of the sent missionaries go to 5% of the world, and 98% of mission budgets goes to the point something percent of totally unreached people. You look at that and you go, well, Jim, you're just brainwashed because you're a missionary. Well, I took uh, marketing mid-management in college, and if you think of marketing, which a lot of you guys clearly understand, you want to bring your product where it isn't. That's what marketing's about. And create the need and have people buy into your product. That's what marketing is really about. You know, there's a supply and demand thing, you know, and um, think of people living their whole life where there's absolutely not one word of the Bible in their language, no clue of Jesus Christ. Created their own animistic gods, the ancient ancestors are here to haunt us, the rainbows, the big snakes gonna bite us, all these, they're, just, they're very spiritual, but it has nothing to do with the truth. Well, these are the people that our mission focuses on. We do not have ministries per se here in the United States. Our church planting is overseas in these least reached areas. And I love something else the Holy Spirit said through Paul. He says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. That's a great heart to have, guys. You know, it doesn't mean everybody should or could go where there is no gospel, but that's something can be on our hearts and our prayers. And when I'm saying, okay, people so often say, well, Jim and Connie, what can we pray for you guys? You know what you can pray for us? That God would send more laborers. Our mission is one of those nutty missions who work where there is no gospel, and that's our focus, and we plant churches. We need more people. Oh, but you missionaries, y'all need more money. No, I'm here for people. You know, like in the old cowboy shows, um, when the bank robber's getting away, the sheriff's sitting there saying, here, you're a deputy, you're a deputy, you're a deputy. Well, here's your deputy pin, guys. Here, you're a missionary, you're a missionary, you're in the... We need more people reaching people here in Port Washington and to the ends of the world. So that's my secret agenda here today. I have a picture here to show you. You've got to hallucinate it. Connie, uh, <laughs> you heard of root-bound? Connie had to plant. She pulled it out. It was root-bound. It wasn't growing anymore. The roots were just going round and round and round and round. Well, I submit, suggest, the overall church here in America is root-bound. We just keep going back and forward over other people's ground, and we get root-bound. Just by the statistics of, Connie took that plant, took it apart, and made four more beautiful plants out of it. That's what multiplication and church planting is about. That's what God had to do in Acts. The Christians were all together having, wow, we're having a great time. And Jesus' last word was, go be my witnesses, and go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Yeah, we're here, we're here, the Christians here. Da, 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 da. So you know what he did? persecuted them. He persecuted the first church. Spread out, as Mo would say in Three Stooges, spread out. God had to spread out the Christians to help 
bring the gospel to parts of the known world that didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. And you know, that's what God wants us to do. He continually wants us to spread out. In those last verses, those last things Jesus said, that Pastor Sid read, the verses before them, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And this just speaks to, we don't know when Jesus is going to return, do we, guys? We can do all the end-time study, but nobody knows. Jesus said the angels don't even know. We don't know when he's going to return. It could be today. Or you don't know when you're going to die. I feel like it's funny to me, but it's like, where's the expiration date on your life? Hmm. Best if used by, we all have an expiration date, guys. You don't know when it is. But won't you want to be glad to know that, hey, I was living for you, Jesus, while I was on earth. I don't want to die and say, oh, I wish I would have, could have. I meant to get to it someday, but I was so busy with the world. It's like, guys, you don't know when you're going home. You don't know when you're going to leave this earth. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. And these were the last words Jesus said. He says, of the end times, he says, you don't know. You don't need to know. But he did say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. As you probably remember, Pentecost came 10 days later, and they did receive power from the Holy Spirit, and they went out and started preaching the gospel. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Port Washington, Ozaki County. This is a loose version I'm reading here. United States, Indonesia, you need to be my witnesses, and I'm with you to the end of the age. That's the last things Jesus said. Go make disciples of all nations. Every tribe, tongue, and nation are there in the scene in Revelation. They're all singing to God. Talk about a worship band. Woo! Everybody's singing to God in one language. Isn't that going to be great, guys? Every tribe, tongue, and nation. That means these least-reached parts of the world that we focus on, it's all there. And, guys, it takes people. My other slide you can hallucinate here. Is I got a picture of someone staring at their phone. Aren't we reprogrammed to think you can do air? Oh, there's an app for that. I'm going to download the app. I'm going to reach the world by downloading the right app and staring at my phone. I'm just kind of making fun at our culture. Please don't take it personal. We, it needs people to go and reach people. That's what it says, to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, and here's the verse in Romans 12. I'm just going to read it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, which means we're living clean. We're not living in our addictions. We're living clean. Living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God. It says, this is your spiritual worship. Oh, I thought worship was just singing a lot and raising your hands. No, worship is giving our lives a living sacrifice to God himself. And don't be conformed to this world anymore. Isn't that the battle every day, guys? Being conformed to this world and the things of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a continual process. If God slept, which he doesn't, he gets up in the morning and he goes, ah, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make Sean more like Jesus. That's my goal today. 
Put your name in there. I'm going to make Anne more like Jesus today. That's God's goal every day, guys. And it's a wonderful life of purpose and peace instead of existence. As Pastor Sid was saying, we get to live so horizontal, sometimes we forget to live vertical to what is really going on. So church planting is what God wants us to be doing. God wants us to be reaching people. He wants us to be active in our body of believers so that we can see what is really important. And in 2 Corinthians, I realize i got to quit, don't I? Connie says, don't ever say that, Jim. Okay, one last example. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, um, so what we see is temporal and what we don't see is eternal. So I have created eternal vision glasses. <laughs> Thank you, Sid. I'm so easily distracted. That means I can go a little bit longer? Okay, good. These are eternal vision glasses. You know what they help me see? The souls, the eternal souls of every one of us sitting in this room. You are eternal, made in the image and likeness of God. Take these off and I go, hmm, you're not looking that good. But you know what? You're eternal. You're my brothers and sisters. Eternity. Wish God could just help us with our eternal vision. All around us, there's spiritual warfare. All around us are angels. People cheering us on, running our race with perseverance, laying aside the weight and the sin because we see we're eternal and we're in eternal battle right now. And ask God to help you see that and to see these people around us the way God sees them. To realize we don't need to have ongoing conflicts and... Uh, Sorry, I should probably take these off now. You're probably looking at me, the camera lady, going, Jim, take those off. You look ridiculous. Okay. Eternal vision, guys. I prayed for everybody. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to will these to Pastor Sid. I'll leave them up here. So, Just ask God for that vision. What is really going on? What's really worth living for? Yes, we all got to exist. We all need food and a roof, you know. We all got to exist. But this church is a church plant. And Connie and I were in on it way, 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 way back when when it met at the Masonic Temple. How many of you guys were in the Masonic Temple? Pastor, okay, yeah. All my old friends, old like me. That's where it started. And then we bought a liquor store. Can you imagine that? A liquor store? A church? Nah, well, yeah. And now look at this place. This is the building. But you know what's really important is the people. The people, every one of you guys, are a testimony of God's grace and God working right here in and through open door, through your lives, through the lives of Pastor Sid and all you other guys who have invested your time and money and your heart into people, into this church. And that's really what it's about, is churches, again, is God's plan. So what's God going to use? People! <laughs> people reach people, and you're people. Just let's keep the focus on the people. And you think, wow, you know, we could be, uh... again, I'm thinking of you young people. You think of, man, there are so many awesome, awesome experiences moving to foreign cultures and foreign lands. The place where we lived in Indonesia is now an international tourist destination. If you want to Google it, 
It's called Wera Falls, W-E-R-A Falls. Our campus was right there below three-tiered waterfall in the tropical jungles in the mountains of Indonesia. Now it's an international tourist destination. But it's like, we got to live there. You know, and um, that shouldn't be the motivation to be a missionary. But there's so many things that God opened our hearts and our daughter's hearts to when you live with people who have nothing, where children are dying all the time. It's just a very sad living situation. And yet, we don't go there. We did help with medicine and everything. But we don't go there for the physical well-being. Yes, we do. But what if you help someone to be living to a rape, ripe old age over there? If they lived to 50, they lived a long time, and then they die and go to hell. How would you really help them? People need the spiritual health that you guys can bring to people. So I really should quit now. I just forgot last time to do the commercial. On the back table, there's a very few things. There's stickers for your water bottles. There's a magazine that isn't just... Okay, this magazine is focused on what we do in the training center down in Missouri. It really lays it out if you're interested to see what we do. And there's little magnetic pictures of Jim and Connie Turek. If you want to really mess your fridge up, put our face on it. And please pray for laborers, guys. I mean that with all my heart. Pray for laborers. Pray for us. We're a mess. But, you know, God uses messes too, you know. So um, I probably should quit now, right? Somebody? Okay. Is it time for the music? The worship team? Come on back, boss, and I'll just do an abrupt stop and say, here's Nate. <laughs>